are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the October 6th edition of Locked On Dolphins. It is power to the pod. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. As we mentioned, today's episode is Power to the Pod. It's your show, it's your questions, it's your topics, but before we get into um, exactly what you guys are going to steer this conversation to today as the Dolphins enter week five at one and three and facing San Francisco in San Francisco. We do have to acknowledge that the Dolphins did uh, make a pretty significant announcement this morning. The Miami Dolphins announcing that quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick will remain as the team's starting quarterback entering into week five against the San Francisco 49ers. Brian Flores seemingly opened the door for a potential change when asked on Monday about his starting quarterback situation. He said he presumed it would be Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that the team is in the process of reevaluating all positions on the roster, including the quarterback position. Less than 24 hours later, the Dolphins' social media account releases a formal announcement that Ryan Fitzpatrick will remain as the team's starting quarterback, which means Dolphins fans are going to have to wait at least one more week before seeing number five overall pick Tua Tungavaloa in the starting lineup for the Dolphins. I understand why this can be frustrating, and it you do get anxious, right? Because you look across the landscape, and Brian Flores was asked about this too. And he said every player is an individual player situation and scenario, and you know you can't compare your situation to other teams' situations. But Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Uh, exponentially worse offensive line Cincinnati Bengals do than the Miami Dolphins at this point, which is saying something because the Dolphins offensive line, it's much improved, but it's not stable yet. But nevertheless, Joe Burrow's come out and thrown for 300 plus yards in his last three starts. And he's one, one and one in those three games. Not a bad start for a rook. Meanwhile, number six overall pick Justin Herbert has thrown for 300 yards in his first two starts, and he put 31 points and threw for 290 yards in Week 4 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with an offensive line without their top two players, which is also worse than that of the Miami Dolphins. I guess this is this is kind of the cost of drafting a quarterback in Tungvaloa that does have a little bit more durability questions and, and read on his ledger in that regard versus the likes of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. But seeing these two young quarterbacks come in and light it up, throwing the ball, granted, they still make rookie mistakes, but they have both exceeded expectations as of, uh, you could possibly expect for first four games for top six picks uh, that were rookies at quarterback, especially Justin Herbert. He looks great for the Chargers. So Dolphins fans sit back, they see this, and they say, well, wait, what the heck? Herbert's balling out for the Chargers. Joe Burrow just got his first career win last week. Why? What gives? Why can't the Dolphins get a hold of some of this rookie mojo? 
Ultimately, Brian Flores is going to remain committed to not putting Tua Tungvaloa into the lineup until he feels it is the right time to do so. He's not going to be influenced by outside pressure. He's not going to be influenced by anything else. Court of public opinion. This should not come to surprise for Dolphins fans, right? Brian Flores has, has always been extremely steadfast in his approach to his football team and his players. And that was something that, that Brian Flores did acknowledge, stating, you know, if Tua Tungvaloa was my son, I would want to make sure that, you know, before he goes in and plays again, after everything that he's been through since last November, uh, that he's in the best position to succeed when that does happen. And uh, that's the approach the Dolphins will take. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins in Week 5 against the San Francisco 49ers. The week after that, the Miami Dolphins go to Denver and play in Denver and then return home to host the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert in Week 7. Head of the season, many people had that Chargers game circled as a potential transition point. If the Dolphins have not, at this point, begun to give Tua Tungvaloa some reps with the ones to make sure that this process and transition can take place when Tua Tungvaloa is mentally ready and the Miami Dolphins and their coaching staff do feel mentally comfortable with his command of the offense and the supporting cast that's around him, if they haven't already started that transition, it needs to start now. And for all we know, it already has at practice because media in South Florida gets 20 minutes of access to practice, and that's it. Keep your ears to the ground. We definitely will be here at Locked On Dolphins. Fitzpatrick starting week five, but the fact that this is now a question and the way Brian Flores phrased it, this is a little bit more open than what it was to start the season. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place, and NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game with a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. So go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So I'm going to have to be extremely real with you guys right off the jump. Uh, we have so many questions via iTunes reviews and Twitter today. There is a 0% chance I'm going to get them all. I'm going to try my best to cover as much ground as I can. But before we start and get into the questions, you know, just opening up the, the docket this week and seeing all, all the engagement that we had and everything that you guys want to talk about, heartfelt, sincerely, thank you guys. I'm, I'm so excited first season of doing Locked On Dolphins, uh, to be able to share this platform with each and every one of you and be able to share my thoughts and hear from you and engage with you guys. This is so much fun. It, it genuinely, truly is something I look forward to every single week as Power to the Pod and every show with you guys. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's open up the, the iTunes reviews. We got a lot of questions. We are going to start with Zemlicka. Hey Kyle, listen to Draft Dudes as well. Thank you. NFL Draft Podcast with Joe Marino. 
is there any chance you guys would pick NFL games against the spread? So, good question. That, along with a score prediction for the Dolphins game each week. Oh, I like that. I'll tell you what, Taylor. I'm going to do the Dolphins score prediction starting on Fridays. We'll do the formal prediction. Uh, I know I did a preseason 16-game uh, prediction, uh, which is a game or two off right now. That's okay. <laughs> I said 3-3, three and three, and then a quarterback change. That's still on the table. But obviously, you, you, your opinions evolve as you get more information. And we've seen more in the first month of the Dolphins. You know, played two elite-level quarterbacks in 2020, lost both those games in, in one-score contest. So, yes, starting Friday, I will do Dolphins games. As far as NFL games against the spread, watch TDN Fantasy, which is another uh, podcast that lives within our TDN, the Draft Network family of podcasts. They do against the spread. And they are very, very good. Paige Demacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. So that would be my recommendation. We try not to cross-pollinate too much. Step on their turf, you know. Okay, so Lake Daddy. Kyle, fantastic. Listen to Travis. Listen to you on Fin It to Win It. Throwback. And you've progressed into a can't-miss podcast. Thank you so much. Loved the rational frustration after the 0-2 start to Buffalo. My infamous Buffalo podcast. Random question. Your recent mock had us going with a tight end. Wondering your thoughts on tight end fit for the Dolphins if we went with any of the three top tight ends in the draft. So yes, I'm always going to take draft questions. If you want like a a life hack to get your question guaranteed, I'm going to do draft questions. Top three tight ends. Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. Brevin Jordan from the University of Miami. And then uh, Kyle Pitts from the University of Florida. Fryermuth is the most traditional quote-unquote tight end. He's compared a little bit to Rob Gronkowski, and I can see it. I get why that comparison exists. He's interesting to me. All three are interesting, to be completely honest with you, Uh, because we might not associate tight end as a position of need on this roster, and quite frankly, Mike Isecki's open, and (laughs) we've just not thrown him the ball. Uh, Obviously, he had the, the touchdown catch against Jacksonville, he was open a lot more against Jacksonville than just the touchdown catch. He was open a whole lot behind that picket fence that Seattle's uh, cover three built at 10 yards of depth, 15 yards or 12 yards of depth. So cover three, you got your three guys deep, and you you see a lot of these cover threes. Now they're going to go five wide across underneath. So three deep, five, and then they rush three. So they'll go all the way across the same yard line from depth, and they're going to force you to try and throw it with touch up over the guys on the second level, in front of the guys on the third level. Gusecki's running deep digs. He's running slants. He's running seams. He's open. He was open in Seattle a lot more than what he got targeted. Uh, So I know there will be questions of, well, this offense doesn't really use tight ends. It's available. And with what the Dolphins want to do from a spacing perspective, but also staying big and also staying physical, I think there's a lot of opportunity here to upgrade the Durham-Smythe role slash Isaiah Ford role. So if you want to upgrade the Durham-Smythe role, you can put Pat Fryermuth as the hand in the dirt, the blocker, whatever, and then Mike Gusecki becomes the move piece that inserts into the blocking surface 
and then simultaneously can get flexed out wide. So he almost takes over Isaiah Ford's role in the offense. If you go with Pat Fryermuth, if you go with Kyle Pitts or Brevin Jordan, those guys also those guys will be the ones that take over the Isaiah Ford role in this offense. But you then still don't have an upgrade over Durham Smythe. So is Mike Isecki going to be that guy? Are we just going to run 12 and 13, which Baltimore does a lot of, by the way. And Baltimore doesn't have problem scoring points. Now, granted, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, the way that they would use it would be very different than the way the Miami Dolphins with Tua Tungabaloa would use 13 personnel, which would be three tight ends on the field. But you'd have to have a designated blocker tight end, and then Kyle Pitts slash Brevin Jordan and Mike Isecki both kind of become big slot hybrid types that can step down, motion down into the box. They can shift into more tighter alignments and have physicality on the edge that kind of boosts you. So as I look at how, from a team building perspective, the Dolphins can pivot, that's an area that I think any of those three could make sense. But I do think a lot of the really good offenses in the NFL have multiple good tight ends because Opposing defensive coordinators say, okay, well, they're sending two tight ends in the game. we got to go with a heavier group or, or stay in our base personnel. And then you come out and you space the field, and you got athletic mismatch everywhere. Tim, not sure this makes power to the pod cutoff. This was from last week. Uh, but how much mass would Greg Rousseau need to add to pique the Dolphins' interest in their apparent preference for bigger, stronger, heavy-handed edges? Well, he's about 265 now. So I'm looking at guys like Zach Seiler, right? Like he's he's not going to play that Van Ginkle role. He's not going to play that Kyle Van Noy role. He's going to be a hand in the dirt type of guy. So Greg Rousseau, if he's going to be a hand in the dirt type of guy for the Dolphins, I'd say probably 10, 15 pounds minimum. You think about Shaq Lawson, he's 275. Emmanuel Ogba, he's 275, 280. He's going to have to get up to that size. And I think he can, and I think he'd be more dynamic than both of those other two guys that I mentioned. But I do want to give a shout-out to Emmanuel Agba because Agba played great against Seattle, and he has really flipped the switch the past three weeks. He has progressively gotten more and more active up front. He's winning off the edge, and we should be very encouraged by what we've seen from Emmanuel Agba to this point in the first month of the season. BFJ27, hey Kyle, listening for about a month and I stay locked on. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for the review. I know when we drafted Robert Honey was possibly going to get repped at right tackle because of his mauling nature. Do you think next year we could see Hunt start at right tackle and move Jesse Davis back to number six offensive lineman? Absolutely. And this is kind of why I didn't think I'd get here. But I don't think I would advocate super hard for the Dolphins to draft Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon, with a top five pick. If you have that pick, say you have that pick hypothetically, and the New York Giants pick two, and they don't trade down because they never do, and the Miami Dolphins are picking three, and you could say, okay, Kyle, you can have Penny Sewell, or you can hopefully trade back a little bit to a quarterback-hungry team, pick up some extra picks, and then draft Micah Parsons, hypothetically. 
I think at this point in time, and to be fair to me, I do reserve to change my mind <laughs> if we get through this process. And with more information, I, I need to pivot my, my point of view and perspective. The sum of an offensive line is not just one piece. And I don't want to get it twisted to say that Penny Sewell's not an amazing prospect because he is. But Penny Sewell by himself is not going to fix anybody's offensive line. The Cincinnati Bengals could draft Penny Sewell, move Jonah Williams to left guard, and their line is still going to be bad because center through right tackle is no good, long term. So for the Dolphins, Austin Jackson has played admirably well. We do have depth up front. Solomon Kinley's been knocking it out of the park. I think the Dolphins definitely need to draft a long-term fixture at center. But between having Robert Hunt available and Jesse Davis as a utility player, I think this line is in a position where the collective group is so much better than what it was last year that I'm not going to be desperate for the Dolphins to draft a top offensive tackle, especially with Robert Hunt waiting in the wings. And I think what you proposed about moving Robert Hunt to play at the right tackle spot, that should be the plan and the hope. And I like seeing Robert Hunt's getting some reps in short yardage as the heavy tight end, heavy third tight end right now. I'd love to see continue to see more of that. Mike C. from Rochester. Kyle, I really look forward to the show each day. Thank you. My question is in comparison to other coaching staffs in the NFL what do you think are the biggest strengths and areas of improvement for the Flores staff? It, it, this is a challenging question because at its core, Miami still has very little in the way of stability. And we knew that coming in. We knew that from a coaching perspective, but we also knew that from a personnel perspective. This is the second consecutive year with 10 plus new starters on the team. 50% of the roster for two consecutive years is new. So there's been a lot of turnover. And, and I think, especially in this year with the COVID, I have a hard time blaming the coaching staff for having a young, inexperienced team that has a bunch of new pieces for not necessarily being ready to push play and have answers for everything week one. And then the Byron Jones injury happens. And it kind of gets now Noah Igbenogany's playing out of a role that, that the Dolphins preferred to have him in from the jump. So defensively, they've kind of been chasing their tails a little bit. Like we said, they've played two elite quarterbacks in Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. So through the first 20 games of the Brian Flores era, I love the team culture that he's instilled. I love the player relations that he has. His players will run through a brick wall for him. And I'll say this too. This Dolphins team is very disciplined. You know, the, the, everybody remembers the TNT wall last year, right? That takes no talent up, make a mistake, got to run, touch the wall, come back. Kind of like a corny coaching ploy. But how many procedural issues have the Dolphins had? How many illegal formations... You know, they, they have, generally speaking, taken good care of the football, aside of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Week one, we had an interception in which a receiver fell down at the top of the route. Both of the interceptions he threw this past week, he says his arm was tipped on the throw. 
Did I agree with his decisions on some of the throws? No. But we're not fumbling. We're not putting the ball on the ground. We've cleaned up a lot of the beat-yourself type mental errors. Defensively, I think this group is more limited in coverage on the second level than we anticipated they were going to be. The secondary itself doesn't have personnel in the roles that ideally they would be playing because of injury. And you play two elite quarterbacks. So it's a, it's a tough challenge to kind of balance all that. And I think the Dolphins coaching staff early on, if I was looking for a critique or area of improvement, I'm not going to hammer the conservative approach in Seattle. That seems like an outlier versus Brian Flores' other 19 games coaching in the NFL. I would say let's not wait so long to make it. Let, let's have more on our palate to adjust to. Because this deep over route that teams keep running over and over and over again, it's killing Miami. Let's not wait so long to have a pivot that's readily available for us to go to. They went to it in week three against Jacksonville. I thought it worked well. And Seattle puts you in some conflict. So I understand why in opportune instances we got popped by it. But we got to find some answers for that now. We got to be able to, to stop teams coming back to the well and doing the same thing to Miami over and over and over and over again. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for new engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are exactly the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you for all of your auto parts needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you're well aware of our affinity for Built Bar here on the Locked On Network. But Built has a new product, Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with Go every day. This is an easily consumable boost to your day in a 1.5-ounce package. You can put it in your briefcase, in your back pocket. You can put it in your lunchbox. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the crash, plus it's natural, and it's also better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and even better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, or my personal favorite, chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast-absorbing, so it gets into the system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your energy, like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine, and it kicks to keep going strong with B6 and B12. Collagen promotes joint soft tissue, hair, and skin health too, so this stuff not only makes you feel good and keeps you humming all day long, but it makes you look better too. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Dylan wants to know how likely it is we'll see a Super Bowl under Brian Flores. I think he's the right person for the job for what we're doing right now. If he's enough to put us over the top, 
We need to see what he looks like as this team transitions out of the rebuilding phase and gets put into the competitive phase. You know, and, and it's like Brian Flores talking about reevaluating the roster at the quarter point of the season, which they did yesterday. The Dolphins is an organization, you know, once the roster gets to a certain point, we need to reevaluate everything that we have. But if he's the guy that I think he is, I think he's the guy that can make this team a perennial contender. Super Bowl, I don't want to go there. I want to see a playoff win first. So <laughs> let's get a playoff win and then like, then yeah, I can really start to get on board and get excited about what Brian Flores can bring to the table. Alex wants to know if Flores sits two of the entire year and both Burrow and Herbert have really good seasons, should Flores be fired or at least on the hot seat? Uh, Why? What does the, and this kind of falls into what Brian Flores said, talking about not comparing the Dolphins situation to other situations across the league, but seriously, what, what does the quarterback situations in Cincinnati and... Los Angeles have to do with the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. And and why would that prompt him to be fired? Um, So, no, I'm not making a correlation there. And I I don't think evaluating Flores on the job that he's doing based on the transgressions of other teams would be a good way to, to go about reviewing Brian Flores. Uh, Stevie baby, Kyle, love the pod. Love the name, Steve been a listener since the days of Travis, and I've come to learn that both of you provide unique perspective. Your raw emotion in episodes such as the one after the Bills loss is refreshing, and I admire how you tell it how it is, even though it's not always what people want to hear. Thank you. I have two questions. You could choose which one applies better to the show or answer both. Dolphins are severely lacking a playmaking yak-producing wide receiver. Which receiver is the better fit, Chase or Waddle? Uh, Waddle. Guys, watch Alabama play. Watch him play this year when Waddle's the wide receiver one on the depth chart. He is so freaking fun. And he's electric in short spaces. I think he's the home run fit for Miami with what they're trying to do. Uh, And the other question pertains to Robert Hunt, uh, which we discussed a little bit. So I will pass on that one. But thanks for the question, Steve. Uh, KDude89. Kyle, I love the show, but I got to tell you what sometimes annoys the heck out of me. I'm actually at the game as we speak, Seattle. These Dolphins are so predictable in their play calling. Why don't we study Green Bay, who they use their speed to give Gaskin and Grant more space to work? The little flip phase or jet sweep. Side note, our defensive line can't get pressure to save their lives. Thank you for everything you put in this podcast. Okay, so a couple things. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't get more stunt game uh, from Miami against Seattle. Uh, I guess maybe that had to do with keeping and maintaining rush lanes against Russell Wilson and his style of play. But that's kind of the, the downside to if you're not healthy in the secondary and you got heavy-handed guys who can't necessarily win because they're not super explosive in one-on-one scenarios, you're not going to claim gaps and claim a lot of pressures. So Emmanuel Agba turned the pressure up. Shaq Lawson showed up a little bit in the game. Uh, as far as the usage of Gaskin and Grant, more space to work, I will say this, one of the the downsides to Miles Gaskin as a player is he's not overly explosive or agile or twitched up. He's not. So I don't think he's necessarily a player that you run volume to in space. I think you can get him one-on-one on linebackers in the passing game. And I love his instincts that he's showing right now as a rusher. 
But as far as Grant, Grant's always been on a pitch count. You know, that's that's always been the thing with Jakeem Grant is you try and put more and more on his plate, and then he, he takes some kind of bump and he gets hurt. So that's a, it's a significant conflict for the Dolphins as far as how they choose to to address that. Um, I did think they did a nice job on the end around against Jacksonville. Uh, he did get targeted, uh, and... and He's kind of like Mike Gusecki, and this comes back to one of the roots of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, a change at quarterback is not going to fix every issue with the Dolphins, right? The defensive issues aren't going to go away. Byron Jones coming back will help that much more than a change at quarterback. But Fitz against Seattle, much like he did in week one against New England, felt like he knew where he wanted to go with the ball too much before the snap. And New England got him in trouble because they put clamps on guys and they were better in coverage than the Dolphins receivers were at finding space to operate. Nevertheless, we started running rubs underneath and there were guys open, but Fitz, because of game situation or whatever it was, decided he wanted to push the ball. Fitz, in week four against Seattle, Mike Gusecki's open in the middle of the field. Jakeem Grant is coming open deep against a single high safety. And we didn't throw to those players, so we need more consistency in the execution of the reads. I don't know if it's because Fitz is so sharp pre-snap. He knows what everything is. He knows what everything looks like. But like that's why Fitz is Fitz. That's why Fitz has never landed somewhere for more than four years, and he started for eight different teams. Because you can trap him. You can trick him. You can rotate safeties and change coverages up on him pre-snap versus post-snap, change the picture for him, and influence his efficiency in the offense. So that's that's the conflict. I think there's opportunities for Jakeem Grant, but I do think the Dolphins are wise to keep him on a pitch count because if you put too much on his plate, he's shown nothing over the last two years as the Dolphins have tried to do this for them to believe he can stay healthy for a 16-game season as a high-volume player. We got through iTunes questions. I actually think there's one more. Uh, so we're going to actually do a doubleheader. Let's do Twitter questions tomorrow. Waste of time 24, five-star podcast with terrible taste. Thank you. <laughs> When's the right time to fire Josh Boyer, and why is he the worst coaching hire of the year? Again, Defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. The linebackers from a personnel perspective are not where they need to be. Byron Jones being out changes the entire landscape of the entire secondary. I'm not going to be super hard on him for Seattle, but I will say this. You look through the Dolphins statistically versus what they were last year, both offensive and defensively. First downs allowed through the first four games, 2019 versus 2020, were down by 10%. We're improved on defense, first downs allowed by 10%. We're improved on yardage allowed by 15%. We're improved on points allowed in the first four games versus last year by 42%, 163 to 96. We've almost doubled the amount of sacks we've had in the first two games. We went from five in the first games of 2019 to nine in the first four games of 2020. Turnovers are up 250% in the first four games, two last year versus five this year. 
the start of the year, remember how bad the Dolphins were and then how feisty and competitive they got at the end of the year. And then take an offseason in which we turned so much stuff over. How many starters on this year's Dolphins team on defense were on last year's team? Xavier Howard for five games. Christian Wilkins, Devon Godchow. Jerome Baker. Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe. It's about half the defense. Plus all the depth players. Gregor Hill wasn't here. Elandon Roberts wasn't here. Kyle Van Noy wasn't here. Zach Seiler came in December. Raquan Davis is a rookie. Brandon Jones is a rookie. Igbenogany is a rookie. I'm probably forgetting, guys. There's so much that's fresh for this team. You almost have to look at it and don't compare it to the end of last year. Compare it to the beginning of last year. And we're improved significantly in every statistical category on both offense and defense. First downs offensively. The Dolphins had 53 first downs in the first four games last year. They got 96 this year. They've almost doubled. Yardage is up 54%. 900 versus 1388. Points. They scored 26 points in the first four games last year. They got 93 this year. They're minus three in point differential. Their point differential last year was like 138 in the first four games. This team's better. It's frustrating as hell to watch because you expect better, and the players expect better too. But I'm not going to advocate for firing Josh Boyer because we came in with an incomplete roster. We knew the linebackers were going to be bad, and Raquan McMillan wasn't going to fix any of the issues in the linebackers in coverage. Raquan's probably worse in coverage than every other option that we have right now, and it's still this bad. And now Byron Jones is out, so now your nickel corner is different. And now your outside corner opposite Xavier Howard's different. Half of your, your secondary is influenced and your linebackers aren't complete because it's not a complete rebuild. And yet we're still improved by this much versus last year. That's the perspective I try and take. And I would not justify or advocate firing Josh Boyer. Even as frustrated as I get, I still believe in this rebuild. I still believe in the direction of this team. And I believe you guys are going to come back tomorrow for the Twitter questions. We had so much to talk about today. We got through iTunes reviews in 35 minutes. (laughs) So let's do it again tomorrow. And then Thursday is going to be all 22 reactions from the Seattle game. That'll give me time to get through both offense and defense. And then on Friday, we're going to talk about San Francisco, building a blueprint to beat San Francisco, what that could look like, and what's going to happen. Lots to look forward to this week. So hit subscribe on the pod. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks for checking out Power to the Pod. Thanks for your participation. Fins up. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.